Hey folks and welcome to another episode of The Numbers Game. This is the show where we are talking the story of the business here, story of a content business and the experiments we're running right now to try and grow what we're doing, grow the audience, grow the engagement, grow everything that we're doing through the podcast host. I'm Colin Gray, joined by Matthew McLean, as usual. Good day, nice sunny day outside. What a a time to be alive. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Very good, I like it. Very very grand entrance to the show. Um, So if you've been listening along so far, you know in the last episode that we have been covering the story of the podcast host up till now. So we have covered up to the end of 2015. Actually, there was a bit of a there was a bit of an overlap last time round because I had intended to go through to middle of 2016, but didn't in the end because it was taking too long. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we had a lot of lot of ground to cover, yes, uh, a lot of events to get through. But... Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of stuff happened in 2015. So I ended up going up to the start of 2016, really. So we're going to continue the story from the start of 2016, uh, go through from there. So hope that will prove interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we're going to get plenty of feedback on this, obviously. So I'm going to do the standard feedback at the start. Please do get in touch. Let us know what you think of this show. Uh, you can find the show notes at podhost.me forward slash numbers and you'll find the show notes for the uh, for the, the whole podcast there. You'll find this episode there, episode three. Uh, and do let us know what you think. Send an email in to Colin at the podcast host or you can tweet us at the podcast host. Put yours on there too, Matthew. What's yours? Podhost Matthew. Podhost Matthew. Uh, cool. I don't check it as much as I should. Probably no. loads of people tweeting me and following oh, me because that's uh, you know that's how I roll when Indeed. I'm online. Indeed. <laughs> cool. So let's get to the story. It's starting with where the podcast host was at the start of 2016. So really, the start of 2016. That was when you had been working full time for us for three months by that point, hadn't you? Four months. It yeah, was August we established last That's time. Right, yeah, uh, and it was the start of 2016 that really—that was when we started to double down in the content, wasn't it? So we were going for a post a day at that point. Yeah, yeah, we went through a quite a prolific spell, didn't yes, we? Indeed. Okay. And I think I mentioned that in the last episode. Now that I'm saying it, I remember we mentioned that. So at least that was covered a wee bit. Well, that was when we started to think about taking on Robert. So that was the—I don't think we got to that though. That was when we took on our content manager. In fact, no, we mentioned that too, didn't we? Because I talked about the hostile takeover of Yap Audio. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> we did uh, cover that. Um, yeah, so setting the scene for 2016, that was the first couple of months. Uh, now, just to let you know, the the main changes really going through the, that start of that, that year was really just... Rob, the big reason for taking on Robert was the editing, wasn't it? It was... Yeah. We'd been churning out articles, so you were writing something every single week. I was writing something every single week. A couple of a couple of articles, even every single week, but we weren't getting to reviewing them and making sure we're checking each other's work. Basically, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit of a bottleneck because you know it's like when you write something, like y- you become so desensitized to it, and it just yeah. needs a second pair of eyes yeah. to go over it and yeah. tidy it up a wee bit. Um, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it was uh, stuff was piling up, and yeah, we weren't yeah. getting stuff reviewed and out there. Yeah. So. Totally. So that was what Robert was brought in to do, really. he His main job was editing. And of course, he was making content as well. So he was doing a bit of podcasts and he was doing some writing. But really, and it's the, it's the point we've got to again right now, actually, where we've not got a content manager right now and it's editing. It's all about just somebody to check over the work to make sure things look okay, sound okay in the, in the blog and... 
yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a story for a future episode. But that was where we'd got to at that point. So that six months um, from Robert working, he started in April 2016 and went through to end of September 2016. So that's basically the point where we're going to be talking about just now. Um, and I remember at the time that the main, the main thing that I the main thing that I took from that six months was that Robert was great for the editing, the writing, the presenting, all that kind of stuff. The thing that I didn't expect was the amount of time that it took to kind of take somebody on for a job that they didn't know very well. Yeah, so I, think, I think we were lucky when you came in. You knew production, you knew editing, you came in for that stuff, um, and you knew the content, the the sort of the writing and all that kind of stuff. So there was there was very little teaching. I think I had to do with you <laughs> I think I got I, well I suppose we both got kind of lucky in a way it was yeah. just by by sort of coincidence not coincidence that's maybe the wrong word but leading yeah. up to before I got the job I'd, I'd actually read some of the you know books like uh, Joe Polizzi's um, content marketing book Aye, yeah. you know listened to a lot of podcasts on content even though I didn't have, actually have anything to market yeah. myself yeah. it was just a, a self interest yeah. sort of thing Yes. Um, yeah. so by the time I came to the company I, I had a decent grounding in it Aye. so it was just fortunate really yeah, yeah. Um, but you do like you say you forget that other people don't necessarily know much yeah, about that yeah, and it's a yeah. it's a lot to learn I yeah. mean it's a it's an industry of its own isn't yeah, it yeah and it was and it, we were taking somebody on to be a content manager but really we were we were employing more for the podcasting and the blogging aspect so somebody who had done a lot of podcasting and um because we wanted them to know that industry I kind of See, I think I made a mistake there. I thought it would be easier to train somebody in content marketing that already knew the industry of podcasting. And I don't know. I don't know if that's right. I think there's a dog outside. Fido. <laughs> Fido knows content marketing. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I thought it would uh, it would be easier to train them in content marketing. I think that was a mistake, actually. I think probably it would be easier for them to get to know the industry of podcasting, to get enthusiastic about podcasting. Because po- at its core, it's not a difficult thing to learn, is it? Podcasting. No, no. Whereas content marketing has got a shed load of stuff in it that you have to take on. And so I underestimate the time it would take to get Robert up and running with that. It wasn't his fault in any way. It was There was just so much of it to learn. And there's so much that's not intuitive as well. It's like, it's not just stuff that you can just pick up. It's stuff that you have to kind of get immersed in. And yeah, yeah, like everything from email marketing to social media to figuring out exactly why you'd be writing a blog. Like you're not just writing a blog because you want to write about a good subject. You've got to think about, you know, who the listener is, what the problem you're going to solve, all the all the stuff that makes it from just a decent thing that you're writing into something that people are going to search for. All those yeah. tricky bits. And if you're... If you're taking somebody on and having to train them so much, I know employers train staff, but it's like to learn this, you're going to have to read these books, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. You're not, although you're learning, you're not really being productive as such. You're you're, you're not outputting anything. So it's a big, um, it's a big ask, I think, to take somebody on and to train them. Uh, Certainly, like you'd be looking for it to be a very long term thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, there was a lot of stuff I learned from that, and I'm going to put that into the lessons segment just uh, later in the show. I've got a few takeaways that I took from that um, from that experience uh, that I'll go into. So yeah, we'll come back to that in a wee while. 
but yeah, so anyway, uh, despite that, it was it was great that six months because we got so much content out. Um, Robert was great for just like piling through the editing, making sure. So we were just basically writing stuff quick as we could, uh, getting some guest posts in as well. We got a fair few guest posts in at that point, and Robert was piling through getting them published, basically just editing, getting them on the site, formatting them, putting pictures in there, making them look good, all that stuff. And that really ramped up our, our content output. Um... I'll jump to the traffic for that actually just just now because it relates to re- relates really close to that, um, and I'll come back to a little bit of the story that comes on from there. But in terms of the traffic, we so we did that that first three months of really solid uh, one post a day all through uh, January, February, March, and the traffic it took a while to pick up. So the traffic was actually, I was looking at the stats earlier on, we were at um, 650 users per day through January. On average in January, it was 650 users per day on the site. And actually that was pretty level all the way through to June. So there was a good six months of completely no growth there. In fact, there was a couple of months that started to go down a wee bit. Mm. <laughs> um, so like we were, and, and that was about April, May. So we'd we'd spent three months doing solid like a blog a day, um, a few podcasts as well. So, I mean, it wasn't even just one a day. We were putting out more than one bit of content a day sometimes. And it wasn't growing. The traffic was not growing in any way, looking back at it. I can't remember what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I was looking at that and Panicking. thinking, is, this, is there any point to this? <laughs> um, we did stop the one a day uh, at the end of March, went back to maybe three a week mm-hmm. uh, during April, May, June. Um, I don't think that was based on the lack of traffic growth. That was actually a strategic thing. It was just like, um, we've done that big block. That's like, kind of, I wanted to see if we could do it. We could do it, which is great. Um, but uh, just go back to normal frequency, I think. So, uh, so yeah, the traffic was about 650 a day. And, uh, and yeah, no growth for like six months. So <laughs> obviously not the best thing in the world. But from June, July, that was when it started to grow. So looking at the graph, you can see it's starting to uptick there and we started to get five, six, seven percent growth through June and July. And that was great. But then it was really August that started to kick in properly. So 15% um, through August, 15% through September growth. And by uh, September 2016, we're up to 900 users a day. So that was basically a 50% increase on the start of the year over six months. And that happened over just three or four months. So that was just from June to September, we jumped like, uh, so what would that be? Three three to 400 users, basically, a day, which is a massive increase. Um, so it just showed me like, that. I mean, we everyone knows it. It's a cliche almost these days. Content takes time to kick in. But like that's that was a long time. <laughs> but there's your proof. <laughs> yes, indeed. We can show you the graph. In fact, we'll put the screenshot on the, uh, on the show notes. Because um, people give up all the time. We could have easily, quite easily given up and taken a totally different course. Like yeah. six months in June, even June, we're starting to see a small bit of growth, but not much. We're like, this is useless. <laughs> Let's do something <laughs> else. Um, and related to that, um, so actually I'll come back to the revenue because that's in the status bit. Just finish the story for 2016. The, the I think the big change towards the end of that year, around June, July, was we started to think about, that was when we started to think about dropping the clients altogether. Yeah, aye, that's right. Um, because it just wasn't scalable. And we mentioned on the last show about you the fact that we were thinking about growing the team just to cover your holidays and stuff like that, and that's just no use. So. <laughs> Because so, I take a lot of holidays. Indeed. Yeah, I'm <laughs> off all the time. Um, so we talked about that a little bit, but the, really we didn't talk about what was going to take over from that, which is the interesting bit. Uh, so there was two things really came out of that. The first of which was the membership. 
Um, so we started to look at membership course. So we'd been selling our individual courses by that point, hadn't we? But they just weren't doing great. Uh, selling them as individual things. And I'd always said I didn't really want to do a membership. But uh, it was just, I think at that point, I just thought this is something we have to try because we've got a big audience out there. I want to see whether there's an appetite for a membership site. So I think it was around June, July, we started to plan to cut out the clients by, was it September? Yeah, I, uh, November it possibly November, was. It yeah. Might, yeah, it might have been November by the time we actually managed it. I think we started thinking about it June, July. Yeah. <laughs> started making moves on it in about August and we stopped taking on clients probably about that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, started thinking about how to replace it. So the membership site was the intention on replacing it um, and started building that July, August time. And that took a good, uh, in fact, no, it was August, September, I think, because that took a good couple of months to put together the platform for it. And we didn't end up launching it actually until this uh, end of November. Um, but we'll get to that in the next in the next episode, actually. I want to cover the full story of the membership site up to what we're doing now on the next episode. But right now, that was where we'd got to by the end of that year. It was to become scalable, we need to get rid of the production. We need to grow it into the two part and the intention at that point was to have sort of two sides of the business so it would be the membership site would be our training our um you know our kind of customer facing education supporting people in creating great podcasts and the other side which we haven't really mentioned yet was software so the other bit of thinking behind the production was that we would drop the client work but actually we would try and produce something because there was still a massive demand for that wasn't there we would try and produce something instead that would take over and automate the whole process. And I'd been looking at different platforms out there, different things that you could use. So there are tools out there that help you do automatic processing of audio to add on your intros, outros, that kind of stuff. But there wasn't anything that did it all. And there wasn't anything that tied in with video as well, because we were getting a lot of people getting in touch to ask about tying podcasting in with video, with blogging, and really podcasting not standing alone. It would be part of a larger content marketing um, piece, I suppose. So there was nothing out there that did it all. And I was doing more, we were doing more live video. We were doing more things like blabs and stuff like that. And it was in Facebook lives. And it was, it was thinking about how to use those bits of video for a podcast as well and making that whole process easy. So that was where we started coming up with a piece of software that would let people upload a video. Uh, it would take off the audio from that video, it would process that audio so it sounded good, it would add your intro and your outro music so it's branded and it would publish it for you. It would also take the video and it would add branding to it, make it look good, sound good and publish that. So with any little bit of video you do like that, you would get a podcast and a video out of it. And that was the kind of kernel of the idea for the software, I suppose. And through, um, from probably May of 2016, I started applying for funding for that. And there's a there's a bit of funding, there's a project funding pot in Scotland by Scottish Enterprise called Smart Fund, which is a two-third funded thing. So they match fund you. They give you 70% of the cost of a project if you can fund 30%. And I applied for about £150,000 worth of funding to basically fund us through this year. So that would be October 16 to October 17. Um, with the intention being that the software would cost us about 60000 to build 
I scoped out about that through talking to agencies, through talking to developers. And the rest of that funding was actually staffing around me and Matthew to support the development of that app um, around all the other costs that are involved in that whole project um, from, you know, market assessment, all that, all the boring stuff, <laughs> making sure that it actually is going to be a project, uh, a product that somebody wants. So that was a job of about four or five months, actually, in the end towards the between maybe May and September. And we're lucky enough by September to get that. So won that funding from Scottish Enterprise, uh, which meant that we were funded, basically match funded 70% through October to October. So that's basically what we're running on just now. Um, and obviously the revenue from our affiliate income, the, the couple of clients we still work with, the membership site, that's matching that funding. So that was the intention. I had to create a whole business plan, like a three, five, a three to five year plan, which showed that we could generate enough revenue this year to match the 70% they were giving us, which was about 42,000. So that was kind of scary. I had to show that we could profit 42,000 beyond what we already are, which we're making moves towards, maybe not quite matching it. I hope Scottish Enterprise don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're mostly matching it. But that was that was a big project. And I know, sorry, you're, I've been talking for a while, but you didn't really have that much to do with that whole funding application process. No, I so. just spend the money. I don't, <laughs> I don't bring any in. <laughs> That's not entirely true, but, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of that funding, that was basically just that was just a, a huge job for me. Um, I talked in the last episode, I think, about the fact that you, there's all these pots out there to apply for. That's obviously a Scottish specific one. There's a smart fund in the UK and uh, England as well. So if you're in England, there is a smart fund there for you too. But I mean, this kind of stuff exists the world over. There'll be these kinds of funds in the US, especially if it's match funding. So if you can find some revenue, if you already have a bit of revenue, it's so much easier to find funding because there's a lot of these funding pots use match funding as a qualification so rather than just giving you a hundred thousand pounds to go and do something it's not really qualifying you in any way but if you're already bringing in some revenue you know that's a, that's an instant qualifier that you're at least semi-relevant um, it's at least semi-legit so yeah so that took us up to september um and really that the Enterprise Fellowship that I was on at the time, which was funding my salary, some other support as well, finished it in September and moved into the new office here in Meadow Mill. So we've got a new uh, a new office in the middle of uh, Dundee as well. That was what we moved into at the start of October. What do you think of the office, Matthew? Was it an, an upgrade from Aberty? Yeah, for sure, because um, <laughs> it's, it's an old jute mill, so we've yeah. got a, a nice big corner, uh, well, apartment, I guess, because it's multiple rooms. Um very cold in the winter, but you're going to get that with, with an old building, aren't you? Um, and we wait with bated breath to see what the summer's going to bring. Indeed. So, uh, <laughs> see if it gets any warmer. It all depends on, I mean, the sun The sun doesn't quite make it round to our, uh, our windows, so at least it won't be beating down on us. But, yes. Um, it could, could, could get pretty pretty warm but at least Indeed. we'll at least we'll give the the heating bill a, a rest yeah and, yeah uh, you could put more money in the profit column <laughs> for the funding yeah no it's a great wee office though it does the job it's um it's it's yeah very basic but uh it's cheap as chips like we've got this place for 270 pounds so what 400 dollars uh, a bit less actually 350 a month uh, plus fat so yeah can't complain three rooms for that is pretty good a working tap as well we've got oh, water yeah, yeah kitchen so, yeah yeah very handy <laughs> If you had the last episode, I talked about the um, the fridge at yes. our old place, which you couldn't fit your milk in. So <laughs> we've got our own fridge now. Indeed. So it's all, it's all moving forward. 
<laughs> Excellent. So anyway, that finishes up uh, the story to the end of September. That's where we were. We had uh, intended to build out the membership as one side of the business, the support side, the SaaS software as the really scalable, uh, give people a really easy solution to create and podcast side, cut down on clients altogether. And we'd won some funding at least to take us through the coming year. Um, and then I'll continue on from uh, start of October, which really will tell the story of the membership site, which uh, didn't all go to plan, I have to admit, um, through uh, the start of 2016. Uh, sorry, the end of 2016. Okay, I covered a bit of the stats already, covered the uh, the the analytics, I guess, the traffic where we're getting through the site. Um but I didn't do the revenue yet. So basically, uh, by that point, we were in January. The affiliate income was up to about uh, thirty-one hundred dollars. Um, so we were getting that through through Amazon affiliates, through other tools, so selling Bluehost affiliate through our podcast websites course uh, tools like Pretty Link. Like um, uh, I don't think no, we didn't we didn't have eCam or anything like that by then. But it's like that type of thing. So tools are useful for podcasters. That was the type of thing that was generating our affiliate income. So that was up at about 3100 by January and it stayed there through April. Um, so the first three months, again, discouragingly, those months where we were putting out all that content, the affiliate income didn't change at all. So mm. looking back at the stats, stayed pretty steady. May though, it started to jump. So it went up 3500 by May. Um, We'll be able to give better detail on why we think these stats are changing in this uh, future episodes when we get to the current day when we're actually updating you on our weekly uh, changes. But right then, I don't know what actually changed that because the traffic wasn't increasing much by that point. So there was obviously something happening around that point that increased our affiliate. Maybe actually that was when I released the Purelist Podcast and Websites course. So actually that was when Bluehost started kicking in a bit more. But um, I'm not sure exactly. But anyway, it jumped up around then. But by September, probably in line with the traffic, so getting a lot more traffic by that point, we were up to 4,000 uh, in affiliate revenue. That's in dollars. I keep saying these in dollars because um, a big part of our audience is the US, even though we're UK. So that's $4,000 a month by that point. So again, to give you a benchmark, which is a lot of what this shows around, give you benchmarks on how these things work. We were on 950 users at that point. Uh, in September, 950 users per day on the site. That's how many people were visiting our site every day. And that was generating about $4,000 in affiliate revenue. So just to give you an idea of how those things uh, stack up. Um, I was looking at our services stats as well. So doing production, podcast production in January, we were on about a grand. And this is in pounds now. So what's that? $1,500. April, we'd gone up to £1,500. So that was, uh, yeah, like $2,000, $2,200. And that was our peak. That was when we had the most uh, production clients. So that's per month, £1,500 or $2,200 per month. And it dropped down to 600 by September. So we'd obviously started kicking people out. By that point, yeah, um, we still had a few people staying in by that point. We still had a few clients by then and we still keep on a few clients who are people we really enjoy working with. Um, but yeah, that dropped down. Um, so by that point, the revenue of the company was probably about um, five to six thousand dollars per month uh, going into the uh, the funding phase. So at that point, we weren't matching the smart match that I was talking about so we needed to be profiting 42,000 so that was a bit scary I was having to project a lot of growth but anyway that gives you the stats that's where we were at the end of September 2016 
now for the lessons section of the show where we try and take away a couple of uh, couple of learnings from uh, the story so far and obviously we've been talking about uh, going through 2016 and I think the big lessons for me around then were around the staff training it was around yeah taking on Robert and all the things around there I think one thing I'm uh, conscious of, we, we talk about Robert in the past tense because yes. he's no longer here. Did we ever say why he's no longer here? Does it does the listener just think he got fired? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, sorry, Robert didn't get fired. So Robert left to pursue a, a career in education, didn't he? He, took on, uh, he went back to uni. Yeah, Yeah. so um, yeah, he's not dead or uh, no. fired. <laughs> I was ju- true, I just suddenly conscious of that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, that is true. Yeah, no, Robert did, Robert was great at his job. Um, we all got on great. Uh, but yes, he chose to uh, to go back to uni to train as a lecturer. Is that right? You yeah. know, you, you see him more than I do these days. Yeah, more pity him. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't work with students. Teaching students, Those yes. students. Indeed, yeah. Um, so taking on staff then, like, what, what did you learn? What would you do differently next time? For that one, especially for Robert's role, it was so varied. Like he had to do like all the content marketing stuff that he didn't have a lot of experience in. He had to do some podcasting, some voiceovering, some writing, editing, all that stuff. The big one for me was um, just, do you know, if I'd, if, if I'd expected the amount of time it was going to take, like probably a couple of hours a day through the first three months at least, sitting with him and just showing him stuff and teaching him things. And it was the tools as well. Like, do you, I mean... So the the systems that we use, we use things like Slack, Evernote, Trello, all these things for project management, for communication. Like, we built that over time, didn't we? Yeah, aye. Because um, I, I had experience of Trello briefly at university. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not a lot of the other ones. So, like, you know, in my first uh, maybe six months of working, I was like, Colin's coming up with, he's got a new tool that he's yeah, fired up about, exactly. he's going to imp- and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to learn another thing. Yeah. But um, I think now we're we're settled in what we do, because yeah. we chop yeah. and change, as you do, you know, you try yeah. different tools, but yeah. I'd say, like, we're using Slack, um, Trello, Evernote, Yeah, yeah. Um, not I, much more than that. Really. I did used to be bad for that, though, I would, like, any new tool that came out, I'd be like, oh, that's going to solve an extra problem, and, and swap over, and, not really thinking about I mean when it's just me even when even when it's just me there's still a bit of a mental load there's like quite a bit of time spent and learning something new getting used to it but especially when it's a team of people yeah I think there's a there's a big transition and yeah I'm not surprised that you could end up feeling like because <laughs> it's like the, there's a new job needing done I've, I've set a task for you in this brand new tool it's yeah. called and here's your login and by yeah. the way the login doesn't work and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but um no it's trial and error isn't it yeah like yeah. um yeah, but these days I'm much more. Someone needs to have a really big, clear benefit to be able to move tech, like to be able to move a tool or to take on a new tool. That there needs to be. It's not just that this is the new fancy thing in mm-hmm. Silicon Valley or startup world or whatever. There needs to be like yeah. some really obvious benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just another place to to check. And- yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, related. To, so we had we had a, maybe five or six or seven different tools that we used like every day. Um, all tied together and and we'd built that up over time that kind of process and I underestimated how like confusing that all is yeah (laughs) it's like so you create it in Evernote but then you copy it into ConvertKit but then it ties (laughs) from ConvertKit into the website through SumoMe and then it's like and yeah but we're doing editing in Google Docs because that means we can collaborate with guest writers and yeah it just (laughs) yeah it could be I, I think like because with me coming on board it was very gradual and that yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, but, Robert jumping it, dropping into that um, feet first was yeah, that was unfair. And I was I was uh, to my discredit, to my shame, I was impatient at some points when he was like, "What? What's this?" Till it's like, "What? You're not getting it yet." But it was completely <laughs> my fault because. I, I underestimated how complicated the whole thing was because, it, like I say, because it had grown with us gradually. So that's my lessons, I suppose. It was, first of all, if you're taking somebody on, even if it's just part-time, even if it's a VA, any kind of role whatsoever, somebody else you're working with, think, allocate in your head, this is going to take me a couple of hours a day, at least over the first few months. And don't be annoyed and frustrated at that because as soon as you're annoyed and frustrated at it, which I was, again, to my shame, uh, it means that the person you're working with doesn't pick it up as quick because you're being impatient, because you're being a bit snappy about it. You're not doing it well. Whereas these days I have that in my head. It's going to take that time. I, I know how complex systems are. So we've created guides to that. We've created um, like standard operating procedures and checklists around all these things. And it means you can be much more patient because you're expecting it and just um, take it from me that, yeah, people can't pick <laughs> It's the same old cliche, like nobody's ever going to do the job quite as well as you can. So you need the patience for that. But actually, it doesn't matter, even if they are better than you at the job, they're still going to have to learn a whole new place, a whole new system of work, a whole new team of people to work with. And therefore, it's going to take a while to get used to it. Sounds obvious, but it, it, I missed it completely and didn't take that one. <laughs> it's like a, a job like this or a job in this sort of industry, it's it's more difficult to get a short-term staff fix, yeah. I think. Like yeah. if, you're a, if you're a joiner, you could get somebody in to sweep the floor immediately yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and give you tools and stuff. Yeah. If you're a gardener, you know, you get a yeah. boy cutting the grass quickly. Yeah. But um, if, we're, if we're hiring someone... I would say it needs to be for a certain length of time for yeah. it to be worthwhile. Otherwise, yeah. it's just all going to be yeah. like getting it set up. Even that six months that Robert was with us was too short. I don't mm. think we got, um, and this again, no fault of Robert whatsoever. It's just this, the nature of the job and the training. I don't think we got, there was there was more time spent training than getting value out of re- returning that training, I suppose. Um, but it's a good analogy, like, yeah, pick up a broom, you can teach anyone to sweep a floor. But I think we are fooled into thinking that what we do is like that, because Trello is like picking up a broom. It's as simple as anything tool. All you do is write a card and put in what you want done and yeah. sign it to somebody. So it is a simple, simple tool. Same with Evernote. You're just taking notes. But it's it's the fact that they all tie together and mm. they all they all work into this process whereby you've got to use six or seven of them all together to create a blog post because of the process and the te- and the way that everyone has a different role in that. So it's not that the tools are complicated, it's the way they all tie together and the process of creating the content that's complicated. So that's the bit that you underestimate, or I underestimate at least. Mm. So I hope that was useful. Good lesson for the day. Um, certainly I try and keep that in mind with all the new people we're taking on. But uh, yeah, um, if you have any questions about that, interesting to hear if you have any experience with that, if you have any learnings, anything you do to help with taking on new staff, new VAs, new assistants, whatever it is, I'd love to hear it. Just get in touch. Um, you can tweet us as normal on the podcast host or email me at Colin at the podcast host. And we're back for the experiments section of the numbers game. This is where we report back on all of the experiments we're running just now, particular one that we're running over this month, especially, and uh, like, you know, the stats, what's working, what's not working. Uh, and hopefully get you following along as well, be able to uh, to learn from what we are learning, put it into action on your own site to grow your own audience, grow your own fans uh, and grow customers around the products you sell. So 
right now we talked last time about the fact that we're doing uh, we're doing opt-in opt-ins at the moment, aren't we? We're doing lead magnets. Yeah. All about lead magnets at the podcast host right now. Uh, and talked about Sumo Me last time around. So we created a pop-up. That was the action for last week, was to create your first uh, pop-up and actually put it onto the website. Um, so I've been trialling, we've been trialling, uh, you created your um, kit bag last yeah. week. That was finally finished. <laughs> took a, it took a while. Not, yeah. not for your fault. It was like uh, getting the design stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Making it look good. Um, so I got that onto the site last week. And uh, guess what? It's uh, it's doing extremely uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just looking at the number there. Um, zero. Zero point four is that? Zero point four. Well, so here you go. Yeah, <laughs> that was worth all the work, eh? Worth the weeks of. Uh, but no, I mean, it might. It's it's a way we have to. It, well, it could be headlines. It could be the picture that we've got on the site. There's all sorts of things we can test here to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so could that's be what, that I've no credibility. Uh, indeed, nobody cares about it. Could what be that. Use. Could be like, what? I don't really care what it's in. Don't really give a. So yeah, so let's report back in the mall. I've got. So I talked last time. We've already got the Skype pop up running. So the Skype pop up is a lead magnet, which is a, a Skype checklist that anyone can send out to their guests with the intention of getting better interviews so it just tells them to you know shut off background noise uh, all those different types of things that help a Skype one uh, a Skype interview and that's on present on all of our Skype recording articles right now um I had to do a correction actually because last time around I said that it was only 0.5 but actually that was on the general pages. On the Skype specific pages it's actually it was 1.8 at the time. The average is down to 1.5 now. So that alone actually is pretty good proof that these custom ones work I think. Because spread across the entire site I was testing the Skype plugin. It was 0.5% opt-in. So one in every 200 people would say yeah I'll take that. But it's one in every 50 uh, almost 1.8 actually down to 1.5 now that like it on the Skype pages so it's not a great opt-in rate but it's not terrible um, like I said one of our, our best general opt-in was about 2.2 so that's what we're shooting to beat really because that's our general opt-in rate and I'll come back to that because there's something interesting around that one thing I wanted to cover actually I read an article from uh, Sumo Me this week which gave all uh, across all of their tools what the average opt-in rates were so that was really interesting it gives you a benchmark to measure our progress against and the you're in the top 50 percent of all plug-in opt of all opt-in rates if you're above 1.8 percent so with a couple of hours we're beating that already so that's quite good uh with uh, some were not which is not so good but being in the top 50 percent is not good enough we need to be better than that <laughs> uh the average is actually 2.9, so that's a fair bit up. So that means there's there's a lot of people doing really well. Um, it's out of the top tier are doing really well because the average is actually a lot higher than the top 50%. So 20, 2.9% is that average. I think that's what we'll be shooting for with our custom ones. So like I said, Skype pop-ups 1.5 just now. So I'm going to try a few different headlines with that, a few different pictures, see what we can do with it. The kit bag, 0.4. Not really cutting it right now, <laughs> but um, need to put me on a verbal warning yeah, for that. Yeah, but there's loads of different headlines I can try on that. Loads of different descriptions, some different pictures. Um, I want to get you involved in this as well. I know you don't do much with the pop-ins just now. Pop-ins, pop-ups, just <laughs> now. Pop-ins. Yeah, because um, just an, another external perspective on the headlines and stuff like that. Like if it's just me doing it all the time, we're not getting that kind of those good extra ideas. So mm. 
I'll get you involved. I'll, get, I'll set you up with a couple of pop-ups. You can try some headlines and more, have your own More stats to check. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been obsessed with the Pretty Link stuff. And <laughs> I discovered that. I'm just like, wow, people yeah. clicking links and there's where they're clicking from. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole new world for oh, we me. Can do, we can do a good experiment around the Pretty Links, actually, because we do a lot of testing around that, don't we? Like yeah. where people are clicking through from. So we can do we can do some coverage on that in the coming episodes too. Um. We've got a pop-up on our fiction podcast section as well. So that's where we talk about the best fiction podcast, do our fiction podcast of the week. That's mainly your thing. Mm-hmm. And you created, what was your lead magnet for that again? It was the book, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was how to, how to make a fiction podcast. How to make. So um, yeah, that was one we struggled with because these people are listeners. It was more people coming to check like... What should I listen to next? Wasn't yeah, it? I don't want to make one. I just want <laughs> I want to listen to them, so you yeah. could understand why uh, um, they they maybe weren't interested in that. Well, a more men, it's difficult because they're not relevant to any of the rest of our lead magnets. So yeah. we don't care about uh, like good Skype interviews, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was worth trying. Um, do you so a pop up that just said, "Do you want to make one of these yourself? Do you want to make your own?" And then it led to your book. Yeah, and that's doing all right actually. It's not terrible considering. I think it's going to be hard to convert that audience because they're just listeners. And it's at um, between 1.4 and 1.7. So we've got four pop-ups running there just now. Best is 1.7. So that's almost on the top 50% rate, which for that context, I think is pretty good. My um, reputation's been salvaged then yeah. after the kit bag. Indeed, uh, yes. Disaster, so. Yeah, your fiction podcast Back in the good. pink. Yeah. <laughs> but the most, anno- so the most annoying thing, the most frustrating thing, or maybe it's a good thing, is that I've got these specific custom ones running on particular posts, but I also have, but that doesn't cover all the posts on the site by any means. So I've also got the general ebook. So just our how to podcast ebook, which is our kind of standby uh, lead magnet. I've got that running on all the other pages and that is currently running at 2.3. So it's got the best opt-in rate of them all. And it's the one that's not custom in any way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm one to, so I'm going to run an experiment over the next week. So between now and our next recording, what I'm doing is putting that general ebook actually on every page of the site and I'm splitting it up. So I'm segmenting it between the fiction ones, the Skype ones, the blah, blah, blah. So putting that across all those categories and I'm going to see which ones perform best with just that general opt-in and see what kind of an opt-in rate we get for that. And that'll give me a more fair comparison on our current traffic um, on how the custom ones compare and then we can maybe start a b testing within those areas so um so far the custom pop-ups not working great not beating the general ones by any means which is kind of against conventional wisdom yeah the um, audience not doing what they should be yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or or maybe the marketers out there that are selling this as an approach uh maybe just making someone up and not actually testing it themselves and it doesn't work as well as they say but uh, but anyway, it, it's going to take a lot more testing. It'll take a lot more testing of the headlines, the pictures, all that kind of stuff before we can say that for sure. But it's interesting. It's good. So that's it for our experiment report for this time around. Like I said, I'll be trying those new things, report back in them next week and hope to give you uh, even more insights into what's working, what's not working for us that you can apply to your own work. On to the final section of the show, which is actions. It's the homework. Got to get people to do something. And this time around, we're continuing the theme of the pop-ups, the opt-ins, by giving you the next tool in the sequence. So you've now got your lead magnet created. We created that custom lead magnet 
two weeks ago. Last week, you got Sumo Me installed. Uh, so that means the pop-ups are appearing. You're doing some A-B testing with Sumo Me. This week, we're going to actually put it into an email provider. Now, there's a ton of options out there for email providers. Um, what have you used in the past? Mailchimp. Mailchimp, uh, the most common. I, I like a free. I like a freebie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you've got a small list under two thousand, I think, isn't it? It might be more than that. Um, I, I really can't remember. Yeah. But I think it's two thousand. It could be. It could have changed since I last looked. It's been a while since I looked at Mailchimp. But yeah, it was two thousand last I looked. So if you've got less than two thousand, yeah, you can use Mailchimp for free. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Mailchimp works with Sumo Me, no problem at all. So yeah, if you want the free version to test it out, go with Mailchimp. Uh, you can basically tie it in so that every email you collect through SumoMe ends up in MailChimp and you just create a list for that particular opt-in on MailChimp. Uh, and then MailChimp's first automatic email in the sequence, that'll deliver their uh, their lead magnet. So you just want that first welcome email on your, your MailChimp list, um, the first automatic one to deliver the lead magnet. The thing with MailChimp and the reason we've changed to what we're using now, which is ConvertKit, is that MailChimp makes it, I don't know, I don't like the fact that MailChimp splits everything out into lists. So for so for us, for example, having four different lead magnets right now, I have to create a separate list for every one of those uh, so that they get the right lead magnet. And then these people are all in separate lists, so it then becomes a pain to actually email everyone mm. because you have to email each list separately. So yeah, it just, it just takes longer to deal with it with MailChimp. But with ConvertKit, the reason I love ConvertKit is that you have all of your users. It treats a user as a user. You've got like these these fans of your your mailing lists. They're just they're in your mailing system, and you can then put them on any list or any sequence or any you know any course. You they get email courses in there too that you want. So what we can do with ConvertKit is you just in Sumo Me you tie in a particular campaign. So that's a pop up with a particular form in ConvertKit, and that form then puts them on a sequence. So it puts them on, say, a set of four or five automatic emails that are really tailored towards that lead magnet. So maybe it would be the Skype one. It would send them the uh, the Skype checklist and then it would send them four or five emails following up from that specifically around Skype. Like, here's how to improve your Skype interviews. And that's what gives them the real value for me. It's like you're giving them really tailored stuff for exactly what they wanted. And that builds the trust that builds that kind of um that credibility that fandom around what you're doing because because you're giving them exactly what they've asked for rather than generic stuff that they maybe didn't ask for mm. so um and convert kit as well once you've finished with that first initial sequence you can then ask them to make a choice you can ask them to click on a few different links and say what would you prefer and that click can then direct them. You can use that click to do an automatic action to put them on a different sequence based on that. So you can keep sending them down these paths based on their choices rather than send them just one automatic sequence, which you can do with MailChimp. You can absolutely send like 10 automatic emails, but there's less capability or less less power around customizing it to their exact choices. So that's why we use ConvertKit. Um, and it's only $29, $29, I think, for the early for the for the lowest tier what happened to aweber they were a big one a couple of years ago. yeah yeah are they still around they are still around i looked back at aweber actually because uh they've got they introduced a new thing very similar to convert kit around uh, much more automatic sequencing so letting people make choices and guiding them down particular funnels and all that kind of stuff do you know what i don't know anyone that uses it these days mm. i'm sure they're still around uh, I remember uh, there was a period where you and a lot of people we knew all moved on to ConvertKit at the yeah, same time and yeah. everyone was all working on all these emails. Yeah, and it yeah. was like, 
everyone was just typing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone creating email sequences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was there was a point where ConvertKit got a bit of breakout. Um, I think Pat Flynn had a big part in it. He he took on. He was an advisor and he started uh, recommending it. Uh, and yeah, it's um, it, it worked well for them. They, they I've heard an interview with Nathan Barry, who's the uh, the founder. Am I getting that name right? I think it is. Um, the founder of ConvertKit. And he said that was a big changeover for him. Yeah, it was like they, they had a big breakthrough just when a few influencers, including Pat Flynn, announced it. So, But it's worth it. It's a good tool. It's not perfect, I have to say. Um, it becomes expensive when you get up to large lists. But uh, it's the power that it gives you for sort of individual bloggers. You might need to move off it, say, when you get up to like 10, 20,000 or so. But um, the power it gives you as an early stage, not even early stage, I mean, that's pretty late stage, getting to 20,000 list. But the power it gives you at that stage is really good. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to go and sign up for it, by all means, you can just go to the ConvertKit site. We have an affiliate link. So if you don't mind using it, we'd much appreciate it. You can go to thepodcasthost.com forward slash ConvertKit and that'll take you to uh, ConvertKit. It doesn't cost you any more, but it gets us a small commission on it. So it'd be much appreciated if you can. Uh, but yeah, ConvertKit, if you sign up for that, you'll see if you create your uh, your first form and put the lead magnet that you're selling in the pop-up on there, you can then tie that into SumoMe really easily. It's in the, the, uh, the integrations part of the SumoMe tool. So simple as that. That's the action. Go and sign up for either ConvertKit or MailChimp if you want to go the free route or Ray Weber, whatever one you like. <laughs> um, and that's the action for this week. So I hope to hear back from you. If you uh, if you fancy it, give us some feedback on that. Let us know what you think um, of the tool, which when you go for, tweet us at the podcast host. Always great to hear from you about how you're progressing with this. Well, that's another episode of the numbers game in the bag. How'd you find that? How was that for you, Matthew? It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, we had, um, aside from all the, the good content, we had a dog outside. Yeah. We've got some drilling going on two doors yeah. down from yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a ghost as well because yeah. the door keeps <laughs> clicking. So it's uh, it's always lively when you yeah. open up a microphone in Dundee, isn't Indeed. it? Stuff keeps falling off the shelves behind yeah. us. Yeah, it's, it is amazing how often just like the... We don't record even that often right now. We're not doing that many shows right now, but uh, whenever we do decide to record, record something, happen, eh? something happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying uh, the numbers game. As usual, uh, I'd love to get some feedback from you. Do tweet us at the podcast host. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, specific question for you this week what do you think of the format the fact that we're splitting it up a little bit more uh, putting out the videos as well have you been watching the videos or have you been listening to the podcast tweet me and let me know which one you are consuming right now I'd love to know that um, which one's more popular uh, otherwise get on to iTunes review the podcast that'd be amazing helps us get out to more people and beyond that no more asks just have a good week <laughs> yes, enjoy yourself, take good care of yourself Get a good breakfast down you Because that's, uh, that's my new thing now, breakfast <laughs> Why don't you tie up the show by telling us What your fancy breakfast was this morning Yeah, my breakfast this morning We always do this when we uh, set our levels With the microphones, talk about breakfast Mine this morning was some scrambled eggs With almond milk Because I'm uh, a bit of a hipster at the moment Aye, um, so it's beard With some mushrooms and red onion Fried with uh, coconut oil so um, and a wee bit of black pepper you um, can't see it because we're not filming this section but I'm shaking <laughs> my head with disdain and that was all cooked at um, 20 past 6 this morning 
you yeah I'm, i've always been impressed with your early mornings yeah you back to your greenkeeping early days, bed early rise makes a man healthy wealthy and wise apparently <laughs> healthy well maybe not so healthy now i've got a headache but so none of that basically yeah got a good breakfast down there you're wise in some areas matthew you're uh, wiser in terms of podcasting yeah you're a wise podcaster a wise <laughs> podcast coach that's my new show the wise podcaster <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for spending time with us. And we'll see you on the next episode.